Visime nebez uroda. No family has no ugly member. Russian proverb. Welcome to another episode of Felonious Pundits. I'm Kintad Spinsgard, and along with me, as usual, please say hello to my partner in crime, Mr. AJ Mass. Hello, hello, Mr. Kintad Spinsgard, sir. How are you? We are ready for a very big, big, goodly episode of the Minds, the Criminal Minds. Oh, yes. This episode gave me Yakov Smirnov flashbacks uh during most of the <laughs> in soviet russia mines criminal you <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this is a podcast about the television program criminal minds uh each week we like to recap and take an in-depth look at an episode of the show i have never seen the show before and aj is a grizzled veteran of the criminal Minds scene who has seen every episode multiple times this week we are taking a look at Season 2, episode 20, AJ. Episode 20 already of Criminal Minds. This week's episode is entitled Honor Among Thieves. This episode was written by Aaron Zellman and directed by Jesus Trevino. And it aired originally on April 11th, 2007. What's the 411 on that? (laughs) So ladies and gentlemen, we open this episode... On a night in a residential neighborhood in Baltimore, Maryland, we see a van parked outside a house. And so I have learned through Criminal Minds and such ilk that a van means bad news or a surveillance team. That's the only two possible things a van is. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I lived in the uh, proverbial suburbs for... About two decades now, and I don't think I've ever actually seen a parked van <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> without a delivery guy jumping out immediately, running and running back. Right. But parked? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we see a uh, black car pull up behind the uh, van, and a man gets out of the car and sort of nonchalantly starts going about the business of getting his stuff out of the car, grabbing his stuff. But inside the van, we see uh, a, a Russian gentleman uh, speaking to his companion in Russian, saying, let's go. They quickly get out of the van, and uh, they attack the guy, grab him, put a hood over his head before he can even react, and they throw him in the back of the van. After a moment, you can hear intense screaming from the van. Then one of the thugs gets out of the van, puts something in the front seat of the car. Somehow, I guess it's by... Watching of all these shows, I kind of knew what it was before we find out what it was. And then they get in the car and drive away. We see that there's someone inside a house peeking out of their window shade, but we can't actually see them well enough to identify who they were. Although I did think at the time that it was a woman peeking out of the window shade. That's what I thought. I got news for you. I thought so, too, and I've seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that you got that, that impression is like, yeah, I don't remember every detail, but I was like, uh, her, Kurt, oh, yeah, no, that, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. 
Okay, cool. Uh, so we cut the next day, and we're at the BAU office, and three women have entered, or should I say two women and one angel, because <laughs> one of these women, AJ, is the lovely, lovely Kate Jackson. <laughs> and if you don't get that reference, I'm surprised you're watching this show, to be frank <laughs> with you. Uh, anyway. So, oh, you, 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 all right. so Cameron Diaz was there? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, true. Wait, true. Kirsten Stewart was there? <laughs> oh, God. No, no, no. Uh, so, yes. So, uh, the ladies uh, ask Arando for Prentice and one of her superiors. Uh, he tries to tell them that they're busy, but all of a sudden, Prentice is there nearby, and she looks at Kate Jackson, and she says, Mother? Now, did you did you happen to recognize the the guy who uh, who mother was talking to, this flunky agent? No, he looked he did look familiar, but I couldn't I didn't think about it. This this is our our first sighting since since uh, rules of Anderson, our fine FBI guy that Anderson. Was, that was Anderson. Oh man, that was Anderson. Uh, I, I think yeah, definitely. Let's uh, let's keep an eye out because I got to tell you, Anderson always shows up. Wow. Good. Yeah, I don't know who he is in real life, like what kind of contract he has, because he he's he's always a nothing character. But it's Anderson. Okay, Anderson, <laughs> Mister Mister uh, Not Taking Care of Business. Anderson should have stayed with L. When I said take her home, I didn't mean just drive her there and come back, dumbass. <laughs> the evolution of Anderson is one of my favorite things in all the criminal minds, so definitely wanted to shout out to Anderson here. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I didn't even realize it was Anderson. I, I thought he looked familiar, but I didn't I didn't even think about it. Wow, awesome. So anyway, uh, we cut to the women inside of Hotch's office, and Kate Jackson has uh, the younger woman explain, which was what was basically with the scene we saw in the cold open. And apparently a man has been kidnapped. These women are his daughter and wife. The daughter is telling Hotch that she found her father's car last night while she was taking out the garbage. The door was open of the car and his bag was on the ground, but he was gone. He's been kidnapped. Kate Jackson brought them to the BAU because these women don't easily trust the authorities, shall we say. And Hotch starts to explain that they can't take the case. They have protocols, yada, yada, yada. But Kate Jackson says, look, they have no time. The kidnappers left a ransom note. They're demanding 100K in a Moscow bank by noon, which gives them four hours. Tick, 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 I like getting that, I like getting that time clock right away. Just boom. How long do we have? Yeah, especially when it makes sense that the you know uh, kidnapping, sure, ticking clock, we got it. Yeah, uh, if they don't get the money, they'll send another piece every six hours, and yes, they do mean a body piece, as the women show Hotch and Prentice the bloody cut off finger of the man, wedding ring and all, and the daughter says, "Please help him," and everyone stares at each other dramatically, and we go to credits. Criminal minds, criminal minds, criminal minds, it's criminal minds. It is criminal. 
Shout out to Special John. rendition, yes. Yes, shout out to John Forsyth. Charlie will always be Charlie to me. Well, Blake Carrington, but Charlie also. Uh, after the uh, credits, we cut back to BAU and Emily voiceovers our quote. An old Russian proverb reminds us, there can be no good without evil. Is that really an old Russian proverb? I feel like that's a proverb in every language. <laughs> well, sure, sure. <laughs> but since I started off this show with a Russian proverb, I looked up the Russian proverbs because I thought that'd be kind of cool. Use a Russian proverb. And yeah, most of the Russian proverbs are like, yeah, I kind of heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. So we get our uh, quick scene of the entire team there and the wife, Mrs. Chernis starts freaking out when the lab tech comes in. This is, the lab tech was here before, right? Yes, because isn't this the one that, that you told me was was uh, like, a, not a hairdresser, she was some something on the show? Is this the same yeah. one? Yeah, she uh, works somewhere else on the show, and so she saw, you know, whenever they need somebody, they Script, didn't cast somebody, yeah. quick, get over here. Uh, yeah, she, she, she'll pop up every now and then. So I did she, recognize... Not, not like Anderson, but not like <laughs> yes. Anderson. I did rap, recognize the lab tech who was in like a 30-second scene before, but I couldn't remember Anderson. <laughs> I don't know what's <laughs> going on here. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Hotch tells her to uh, go ahead, just leave the finger alone for now, because, you know, the mom is freaking out. Reed wants the exact translation of the ransom note, since it's in Russian... And the daughter tells him basically what we already know. And Reed notes that there was no personalization to the note, no salutation, no mention of the father's name, which is odd and different for a ransom note because usually they want to keep those personal to let the people know that it's a real thing here. And uh, it's also pointed out that the note is completely self-contained, like they weren't planning on contacting them again. They expected that their uh, demands would be carried out right away. The daughter is like, well, we ain't got $100,000 and Garcia can't find out anything about the bank account because, you know, Russian bank. Kate Jackson will try her embassy contacts to see if she can find out anything, which seems to annoy Prentice for some reason. And uh, Gideon again reminds us that we don't have much time. So he splits up the team into their action roles Morgan will go to the Chernus house in Baltimore in case they're contacted again. And the daughter volunteers to go with him. And I'm thinking it's because Morgan is sexy, but, you know. <laughs> it's Morgan, baby. <laughs> I, think and, the, uh, I think the daughter had other things on her mind okay, than that fair. in this case. Most times I'll be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. So uh, Prentice does speak some Russian, so she'll stay at the office there with Mrs. Chernus to translate uh, until they can get a translator. And Gideon is going to go meet with uh, Agent Kramer in Baltimore to see if he's had any similar cases. And uh, I perked up at that name, and we'll get to that when we meet Agent Kramer uh, this episode. We cut next to the BAU jet where Reed seems amazed, <laughs> utterly amazed that the flight from Quantico to Baltimore was only 25 minutes. Because the boy genius doesn't understand time and distance. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. 
Or he just wants to set up Morgan for his line, which is that he never knew 20 minutes could feel so long. And then Reed says, and yet three hours can feel so short. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> all right. Guys. Could we have given that? Can we have just flipped the lines? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might have made it a little bit better. Maybe not. Uh, he points out that the daughter doesn't look scared or anything. And Gideon says she's a tough girl. Uh, he tells Morgan that when they get to the house, take the daughter with him when he goes inside and profile her while he's profiling the house. He's got to look for anything that can help. Gideon doesn't have any, you know, other advice to give him, but he just says, you know, stay on your toes, basically. Yeah, keep an ear out. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm sorry, too soon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're jumping ahead, yeah. <laughs> so... We cut back to uh, Miss Chernis, Mrs. Chernis, looking at the clocks in the BAU office. And AJ, this annoyed me, especially. Anyway, I don't want to get into too much detail, but I swear to you, when she turned around from looking at the clocks, she had an evil smile on her face. <laughs> did you did you think that, or am I reading into things? And I think it was because. They set me up with the 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 what I thought was a female looking out of the window. Okay, earlier. sure. I'm suspicious no. now of the mom. Okay, I see what's going on there. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. I mean, no, I I wouldn't have gotten suspicious. I mean, I would have gotten a lot more suspicious of the fact that that uh, Natalia had memorized the freaking ransom note, uh, which she, you know, which she, which she threw out there like, yeah, we'll never forget those words as long as they're blazing. Okay, but still verbatim? It was yeah. a long-ass note. I thought she was like, give us money or he gets it. That, okay, that I, that, but it was like, deliver to bank 137952, comma, slash, backslash, HTTPS, dot. <laughs> yeah, she did pretty much have it, uh, all memorized. Anyway, yeah, I thought they they get. I thought the mom made a strange acting choice, or they were trying to manipulate us a little bit there. Hey, that's, and that's fair that's, too. You know, why not make everybody look evil? Yeah, we're Scooby doing so, this show all the time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway, uh, Emily comes up and asks her if she can get her anything, water, something like that. And then I think the mom's face went back to looking worried. So that that again, that's why I felt a little sus. Hotch pulls Prentice aside, tells her that the mother has her mother, Emily's mother, has some feelers out. Uh, maybe she thinks she can get some results on the bank situation. And Emily sarcastically says, "Well, if anybody can, it's Ambassador Prentice." Mm-hmm. So we start <laughs> we're starting to get a little hint of the relationship between uh, Emily and her mother. Uh, a translator arrives to talk to Mrs. Chernis, and Emily is quite relieved because her Russian, frankly, sucks. <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to Baltimore, and Gideon and Reed are outside the Chernis house. And can I just say, get used to that location outside <laughs> oh, the Chernis house yeah. <laughs> for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then... <laughs> They meet with uh, Agent Kramer, and I, I, I did have to look up in my my felonious pundits notes because I was pretty sure we saw him before. And yes, it was way back in season one, episode eight, Natural Born Killer, 
which I guess is the last time we were in Baltimore. Actually, um, no, it was not the last time we were in Baltimore, but it was the only episode with him. There, we were in Baltimore two times uh, in season one, but that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, th- this is the guy who there was an undercover cop and there were rats and all that good stuff. Yeah. But it was good to see. I mean, we had they, we had three people that they've uh, called back for for reprising their their roles here. It's, still it's have, a it's a family reunion. <laughs> yes, and still have never seen that that officious that uh, official uh, lady that was like in charge of things back in episode one. Uh, oh, you never will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, after you know a little refamiliarizing himself with Gideon and Reed. And the little, how could I forget Reed type of moment. Uh, he's been uh, working on this case apparently already for the previous year. They call he calls them the mutilation kidnappings, and uh, he must have a dozen guys. He says walking around missing ring fingers, but no one talks to him. No one helps the police, and the reason is is that these guys are Russian criminals because it's Russian mafia kidnappings. So he thinks that, therefore, the Chernus family must be involved in, in some hanky-panky because these guys don't target civilians. They just target people they know who snuck money into the country and they're not going to call the police because they have something to hide themselves. And uh, they point out, yeah, but this this family did come to the BAU and they don't have any money. So what's the deal with that? Uh, Kramer tells them that they all say that, and Gideon says uh, to Reed, go ahead and call Garcia. So he calls her and asks her to run background on the entire Chernus family. She says she will, and Reed says to the two of them, if the Chernuses are hiding anything, Garcia will find it. Which, of course, Kramer knows. (laughs) Anyone who's worked in the BAU once knows. Yeah, but these guys are good. We cut inside the Chernus house, and the daughter is looking at Kramer, uh, Gideon, and Reed outside and asking, why are they just standing out there? <laughs> we will be asking that for a lot of the episode ourselves. <laughs> uh, yes. And uh, Morgan explains the situation that uh, Kramer is the head of the local office, and they need to get all the information from him. And she asks, well, what information do they need? And Morgan says, well, that's not usually clear until they find it. <laughs> okay. And uh, he asks, he starts walking around looking at the pictures and things in the house. And he asks them, asks her, I should say, if there's just the three of them living there. And uh, she points out that she lost two uh, brothers when she was young, when they were all young, to diphtheria. And it was really hard on her parents, who never really smiled again after that. And Morgan looks at a picture of another older man and asks who that is. And the daughter says it's her grandfather. He had a party job with the former government. I was like, a party job? Ooh, but I, I misconstrued. Uh, <laughs> he was a party crowd. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's me. In Russia, a party has you. Uh, <laughs> and so when communism was toppled, he was arrested and Morgan says, oh, he was a criminal. And she laughs and says, in the new Russia, yes. <laughs> uh, he died a year later in prison. 
I find it fascinating we're getting all this backstory on the grandfather, but okay. Uh, <laughs> her family uh, had already gone to the U.S. for three years at the and, and been there for three years at that point. They fled the country in 1988, smuggled themselves out in delivery trucks. Her father didn't expect Russia to ever change, but what he hadn't expected was that all the criminals would come out and follow them to the U.S. as well. She says, those guys prey on us here. And Morgan says, in America, they can only hurt you if you're afraid to ask for help. And she gives him a look like, come on now, brother. (laughs) (laughs) And he admits, okay, most of the time, most of the time. And the daughter hopes for her father's sake that this is one of those times. We cut to our, our other main location of the episode, which appears to be a big walk-in meat processing freezer type of place. Uh, you know, with... <laughs> exactly. Uh, big sides of beef hanging on the meat hooks. Uh, and we can hear, much like in, in Rocky, uh, sounds of a body being punched. And uh, all right, that was a bad one. Uh, and it's our mafia guys beating up on Mr. Chernus. And uh, Mr. Chernus himself is also tied up, hanging to a, a meat hook. Uh, he's crying. He's saying they have no money. And we have two thugs. I'm going to call one of them the nice thug and the second one the mean thug. Oh, good good thug, bad thug. Is that what we're playing here? Exactly. I, just called them, I just called them thug one, thug two. They should not be in there when, when her mother is out. <laughs> so... The nicer thug stops the mean thug from from killing him, basically, uh, because mean thug seems to enjoy inflicting a little bit of pain on his uh, kidnapped victim. Uh, The nice thug says, look, I'm very confident we'll get the money. And uh, so for the moment, they leave Mr. Chernus there, who's crying, basically, as would I be if someone had me tied to a meat rack and was beating me. (laughs) After having cut off my ring finger. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> we cut back to outside the Chernus's house where Kramer is giving Reed and Gideon a long, boring speech about the Russian mafia, <laughs> uh, uh, which I will pretty much pass up. But anyway, he says this is mainly some offshoots from the Odessa mafia. They're tough to crack from a law point law enforcement standpoint there. Well organized, they have good equipment, and then there's Rive Zaccone to deal with. And Reed, of course, knows what this is immediately. He says, ah, the thieves code. Then why didn't you just say Thanks. the thieves code? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks for that, uh, Reed. Apparently it's 18 principles that they live by. And stepping outside of the code means certain death, so they're not going to get anyone turning informant. Uh, Gideon notices someone peeking out of the window. Part two. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, he says maybe they can find a witness who ta- who will talk. And he starts walking over to the house where he saw someone peeking. And Gideon notes the name on the mailbox, which is Gorbin. And he knocks on the door. A man opens it and stares, just stares at Gideon, who says, uh, Mr. Gorbin. And then explains that he saw his name on the mailbox. Mr. Gorbin just immediately starts to close the door. But Gideon holds it open. 
and Gideon uh, uh, gets his hand grabbed by Gorbin, and he notices immediately, as do we all, that Gorbin is missing a finger. And when he sees Gideon notice this, he immediately put, puts his hand down. Uh, Gideon tells him about Mr. Chernus and asks him to do the neighborly uh, thing and uh, help them out if he can, identify the van that was probably outside of his house last night. And as he's describing it, a black town car is pulling up behind Gideon and Gorbin notices it and visibly panics when he sees it. And he tells Gideon he's seen nothing and uh, slams the door in his face. Nothing suspicious about that uh, <laughs> at all. As he's like, he's warming to him. Well, yes, I could do the neighborly thing. And sure, I would want to do that if I was in that same situation. Not saying that I was ever in that situation, but if I... Oh, crap, it's him, clump. <laughs> <laughs> so Gideon walks back out to the street where three... Russian mafia types get out of the car that pulled up and Kramer is like, uh oh, guess who to read because he knows these guys. And as they walk up, he helpfully gives us his name of the main looking baddie. He says, Arseny Lasowski. Lasowski. Well, he said it a little smoother than that. <laughs> yes. A lot smoother than that. Uh, Lasowski is like, Agent Kramer, how you doing? Uh, <laughs> Agent Kramer asks what brings him, and Lasowski says he heard that the Chernuses had problems. I hear <laughs> Chernuses have problems. 99 <laughs> problems, but money for kidnapping, not one with the big wig mafia. I mean, legal businessman in here to help out. <laughs> Gideon says, hey, how did you hear about that? And Lasowski looks at him and just says, and you are? And Gideon just continues because Gideon never answers a direct question when it doesn't suit him. Uh, he just says, the Turnuses said they hadn't told anyone. And Lasowski says, uh, this is a very small community. Words get out. Lasowski, I'm going to try to stop from the, the Russian accent thing because hey, mine is horrible. I have Russian heritage and I, I, I've, I've been waiting for this episode so I could do it. So I'm, I'm running with it. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Hey, hey, I'm only here to help. <laughs> so Lasowski asked Gideon if he's a friend of Gorbin since he saw them talking. But uh, Gideon tells him Gorbin wouldn't talk to him. Lasowski hilariously asks Gideon if he'd like him to talk to Gorbin for him. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the daughter comes out of the house yelling at Lasowski, where's her father? And Morgan is like, Natalia, wait. I think this is the first time that I heard that her name was Natalia. Me, yeah, exactly. Although you exactly. mentioned it before. I had been writing younger Which, Russian woman up until this point, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I called her the daughter. So... Yeah, Morgan is like, Natalia, wait. And she says, he has my father. And Morgan asks her, uh, does she know this? And she says, everyone in the neighborhood is afraid of Lasowski and his animals. Uh, Lasowski is like, I'm only trying to help. And <laughs> I can't not do that now. Uh, <laughs> and Natalia is like, help, you're a dog. Gideon asks him how he can help. And he says that in any way that they would... Uh, like him to 
Uh, it's a small community, and if one is in pain, we're all in pain. Uh, he walks up to her and speaks to her in Russian, tells her she didn't need to bring in any outsiders, let him help her. And she says her family will never come to him for help. She tells him to leave, and he says she's not right, she's made the wrong decision, and then he leaves. But not before giving Gideon a dismissive stare down before he bounces. Yes, I don't like the FBI. (laughs) (laughs) Morgan asks Natalia what he said. Talk to him, please. They can help him out, help her out. And she says, he said that I made the wrong decision and I hope I didn't. And she heads back inside the house. We cut back to the meat freezer where the nice thug seems to be getting quite chilly when all of a sudden a mean thug bursts in and walks directly to Chernus and tells him that the time is up. Nice thug is like, what do you mean? We still got two hours. And mean thug yells at nice thug to give him the knife. And nice thug finally does bring him the knife and asks him why he's doing this. And the mean thug says, because the FBI has come into this. And then we cut away as our mean thug starts carving, and all we can see is uh, blood dripping onto the freezer floor, and uh, hear Chernus's cries. Yeah, uh, I, I, the, those carving sounds. Uh, excellent job with the audio department there, because there, there's, there were unmistakably carving sounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Word up, shout out to the Foley uh, team. <laughs> we uh, come back to the Chernus's house and Morgan walks in looking for Natalia. He finds her, asks her if she's all right. And she points out that in two hours, her father will be mutilated again. So no, she's really not all right. Morgan is like, we're working on it. And she's like, really? You're standing here with me and the rest of you are hanging around outside of the house. So what exactly are you doing? And uh, Morgan tries to explain the nuances and subtleties of what the BAU team has to offer. He walks through the home and he points out all the various clues that lead him to believe that they have no money, but they fake like they do. And he explains why this is important to the concept of victimology Thank you, Professor Morgan. I mean, on the one hand, he's he's absolutely right to for doing this. Uh, on the other hand, it's like if I if I were to tell you, it's like, but they already tell you we have no money. <laughs> so you spend yeah. all this time to find out we have no money. I already need to tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> we got next cut to outside, and Gideon is asking Kramer if they have any info on Lysowski at the field office. And Kramer has a lot of information on the organization, but not a lot of information on Lasowski. And Gideon asks if he has other kidnapping mutilation case files, and Kramer does, albeit there are some thin, thin files. Uh, Gideon looks at his watch and he says, well, we've got two hours and 14 minutes, so he thinks. And uh, (laughs) he tells Reed before he calls uh, Garcia He's got to give the keys to the Suburban to Morgan because they're going to go to Kramer's office uh, in Kramer's car. And Kramer says he'll give them a crash course on everything they need to know about these people. Although I thought that's what he was doing for the last 30 minutes outside of the 
Kramer house. Yeah, and, and again, this is just to get the the pacing of this episode is not very good. It's just a bit of a drag, and especially as this is like, okay, well, we're going to go to Kramer's office. Read. Why don't you go and give the keys to Morgan? And we watch as he walks towards the house to give the keys. Really? <laughs> we we can't just at some point have Morgan said, you know, driving in a car saying, "Well, Reed gave me the keys," or just let us figure it out. You know, maybe Morgan has yeah. has the keys. The spare set. Yeah. Oh, maybe maybe, maybe uh, he drove them there. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. It's it seems irrelevant <laughs> to the whole case. But you, you had you had, uh, had a line of dialogue for it, <laughs> and we had a watch. Yeah. It's like, oh goodness gracious. So we next cut to a big fancy looking house, AJ, which of course is the Prentice Estate. Uh, Emily's mother asks her how she's enjoying the assignment to the BAU, and they get into an argument slash not argument about her using the word enjoy to describe what they do at the BAU. And I gotta say, but, uh, from from a uh, overall story arc, uh, I think this conversation right here should probably put the kibosh on any thoughts that Emily's mother pulled strings to get her into the BAU. <laughs> Right. That that did not happen. <laughs> uh, before their little argument goes too far, Kate Jackson gets a call from San Antonio Spurs head coach Gregor Popovich. <laughs> okay, it wasn't the the same Greg Popovich. I'll just put it that way. Uh, but anyway, he can't get her the information she's looking for from the Russian banks, and she seems very disappointed because she thought. That she still had some pull, and she was... No, no, Ambassador, it is not you, it is me. I cannot figure out this triangle offense. Cannot defend it at all. <laughs> Even I put a big man up front, I draft, and it is not happening. <laughs> Very interesting, because the Spurs are well known for taking a lot of foreign-born players. I check, I can't think of if they had Russians there, but... <laughs> all right. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Uh, we cut next to the FBI office where Kramer is giving Reed and Gideon uh, more Russian mafia lessons. He's showing them the various prison tattoos and what they mean. Each tattoo is a very individual thing, code, basically, that tells the other criminals who is who and what kind of particular crimes they specialize in. They're very organized. They call the bosses a pecan or head thief-in-law, which I thought was weird phrasing, but okay. But the thief-in-law controls four cells in a, in a local area, and Lasowski is the pecan in this area. The pecan, just say two bosses, because I, I keep thinking about pie, when I, at least the way I pronounce pecan. No, there you go. Yeah, he's the pecan! <laughs> there you go. But uh, the pecan has two underbosses that watch over the brigadiers. And those were the uh, two that uh, they saw Lasowski with today. They have a pooled monetary fund called the Obocheck that they use for things like bribes and other types of support. Uh, it's not really known exactly how they get that money, but it is a large open pool of cash that any pecan can use almost without question. Excuse me for a moment. I need to borrow seventeen fifty from the Obo check. I'm going to Five Guys. <laughs> well, no question. No. Do question. I have a question? 
<laughs> I had a question. Lekowski, what about your cholesterol? Is this the wisest feel for you? <laughs> I'm just looking out. Hey, look at this tattoo. Does this tattoo say you can question me about my dietary habits? Hey, look at my tattoo. I am a nutritionist. Oh, I am sorry. My bad. <laughs> oh, boy. So next we see our uh, guys getting a call from Garcia. She gives them the lowdown on Lasowski, Arseny. I keep wanting to say O oh, when I see Arseny. Arseny! <laughs> Lasowski, uh, born in 1940 in Dolgoprudny, and he's a lifelong criminal, no employment records at all, married Katya Fulinko in 1960, and she died two years later. He also served 23 years in four remote prisons in Perm, which is a remote region of the northern Ural Mountains. Uh, he see, does seem to be in America legally, and she's also looked into the Chernus family. She couldn't find anything on them. They seem to be law-abiding, tax-paying citizens. Gideon thanks Garcia and starts looking at the thieves code, which is broken out on the wall. And uh, it says that breaking any tenets of the code is punishable by death. You have to forsake all relatives, mother, father, brother, sister, not have a family of your own, no wife, no children. Reed says, because family makes you vulnerable. And Kramer says that Lasowski owns a restaurant. At first, I thought he said in Little Kiev, but apparently it's called yes. Little Kiev. Could be both. Could so. be could be a little neighborhood in town that's nicknamed Little Kiev. Sure. Yeah, I I I liked that. I you know like Little Italy, Little Kiev. No, thought that was nice. But uh, that's the name of the restaurant anyway. Um, and he says it's the type of spot where you're not going to find too many normal civilians eating at. It's where the uh, crime types like to hang out, basically. Gideon notes that the code doesn't say anything about helping out a non-thief. So why is he offering to help out the Chernuses? And Kramer thinks uh, probably because the Chernuses are criminals. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that, that question answers itself. <laughs> Don't you think? And uh, Gideon asks, why do you kidnap the father and then offer to help get him then back? There's your better it question. That, that's make... the question. Yeah, we should have let him yes. know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't seem to make any or, or sense. Or he could have phrased it. To, so, he could have phrased it better. Like, well, if these people are not criminals, then why would he? Why do you help them? But at the same time, why would you kidnap someone only to help them? Like that doesn't make sense either. So yeah, Gideon's right, right to be confused. So Gideon asks where Lysowski would be now, and Kramer says, "Well, he's at his restaurant, Little Kia." Now again, this is just this whole episode. Uh, I would say, uh, yeah. It, it makes sense when you know the plot is interesting i think and it makes sense but there's a lot of just we could have used a, another pass on this to structure a lot of these scenes better and to just make it flow a lot smoother and this is just the perfect example it was like i'm looking at the at the list the thieves code and i noticed that there's something here that doesn't make sense to me he owns a restaurant okay but we're talking about the thieves code where would we find him he owns a restaurant <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Could we have just take it, not set it then and just set it here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it, 
It is a little bit clunky. I mean, it's almost as if he like started to say that and he wasn't supposed to say it there. And then uh, Mandy Patinkin's sitting there going, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm confused. Can I ask about the script a little bit here? <laughs> Why would the guy... <laughs> Oh, boy. So uh, for our next scene, we cut to Emily arriving back at the office and she's telling Hotch that her mother's not Superwoman. After all, she wasn't able to find out anything about the Russian banks. (laughs) She seems upset. She just wishes that they could do something for the family. And Hotch reminds her that they still have over an hour. And Emily's like, oh, yes. So what do we cut to next, of course? We cut to Natalia and Morgan. She's offering to cook him up something. Uh, She's like her mother. She cooks when she's upset. And Morgan is like, yeah, my mom is like that too. She asks where where his mom is. And he says, Chicago, that's where I'm from. And she says, she's from Dogoprudny, just north of Moscow. Hmm. I feel like we've just heard that, AJ. (laughs) It's it's such a nondescript name. <laughs> uh, and as they're talking, there's a knock on the door, and it's a neighborhood kid named Yuri, and someone gave him a box to give her, and I was really hoping for a, a what's in the box, but of course we don't get that. Natalia opens the box, though, and screams. It appears to be her father's ear. Uh, Morgan pushes the kid in the house, tells him to stay there, and he runs outside. And unfortunately, as he looks around, there's no one he can give a flying tackle to. Nope. No one to be seen. And uh, thus, we must head to commercial just to ponder, wow, what do we do now that this ear, which was cut off about an hour and 15 minutes ago, finally got here to be delivered? (laughs) We uh, next cut back to Little Kiev. And Reed is looking, and they're in the parking lot, and Reed is looking at a book of the tattoos and saying they're like books on their skin, telling their whole life story. Uh, Gideon has this small file, which is apparently the case files on the mutilation kidnappings, and says to Kramer, this is all you have. And Kramer is like, you know, like I said, no one cooperates. The pictures that they do have, all the guys that are missing their ring ring fingers, they took from surveillance shots. None of them would talk. Body Vesakone. The thieves code. The thieves code Vorisakone. Okay. I guess the V is what throws me. It's very easy. You just say Vorisakone. It's, it's nothing to be worried. Vorisakone. Okay. Look, I've been faking okay. this accent for many, many years. Oftentimes, uh, when I used to deal in the casino at night, sometimes people say, you Russian? We're like, oh, yeah, da, me Russian. And I talk like this the whole evening, and they never know the difference. <laughs> I might have to fire up the uh, Duolingo on, and uh, add Russian to uh, my yeah, but your list prob- of courses. Your that problem I- there is going to be the fact that it is in Cyrillic, and the pre- you're first going to spend like your first, uh, you know, year of studying just trying to remember what letter is what letter it's why i never bothered to learn korean because it's like oh you're not transliterating you're just giving me the symbols oh no forget it uh yeah well i'm pretending like i follow through with any duolingo courses anyway i must have started about eight languages (laughs) (laughs) 
anyhow, um, one of them will stick. <laughs> Maybe I should take English. <laughs> Vori Svensgard, the Duolingo code. <laughs> so uh, anyway, Gideon gets a call. It's Morgan letting him know that they didn't wait as far as cutting off another body part. They sent the ear and Gideon is like, but we got an hour left. <laughs> Again, uh, like, I, I really feel like Mandy did not read the script this week. <laughs> what? What's going on? Well, we had an hour left. Oh, so the, the ear. Okay, well, was there anything in the box? <laughs> okay. Otherwise, 500,000. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of clunky, as you say. Uh, yeah, Morgan tells them there's a new note. They want 500,000. And they have now until one o'clock. And Gideon says, well, they raised the ransom. Why? Why? And then Morgan chooses to share the rest of the note, which is, well, it says, say hello to the FBI, which, again, I thought that was an odd place to put that. I would have kind of led with that. Oh, they know about us. Here's here's a problem I think that the show often has. And it's I think it's because they're probably shooting on a couple of locations for this episode because this you know appears to be a real restaurant uh somewhere maybe not in baltimore but it you know the the front sign out front it, it looks legit um so i think when they do this sometimes they don't necessarily have the other side of the conversation already filmed <laughs> and so they kind of have to match it uh, and it, it's it's always clunky that way when they when they're not like shooting same day or where you know the script is right there or they're not sure they're gonna get the location so yeah these on location shoots sometimes the phone calls are a little what's that uh huh okay and 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 then he gives like seven lines of and well he said this 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 no you said uh huh yeah okay <laughs> there was no time for him to say <laughs> this, this 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 is one of the times where he went uh huh. Uh huh. Okay, and that's all he said, and in that choppy order. <laughs> anyway, Gideon tells him to let Hotch know what happened, and then he tells him to let Natalia know that they're gonna bring her father home. And Morgan is like, "We are," <laughs> and Gideon is like, "Yes." Uh, Gideon tells Reed and Kramer what's going on. He tells Kramer that he d- he wants him to wait outside while they go in and talk to Lasowski. Because Lasowski knows him and deals with him on a regular basis, and he's someone he needs to say face with, and Gideon doesn't want him posturing. And that makes sense. Sometimes Gideon makes sense. <laughs> sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> sometimes, it's, sometimes again, and it always is these on location things where it's just like, "Hey, where's Morgan going? Huh? No idea. We'll find out when he gets back. <laughs> like <laughs> a couple of episodes yeah. back. Like here, it's like here. Okay, here, here, here's something. I'm gonna go and you're gonna stay here. Why? Uh, don't know. <laughs> no, he knows. <laughs> he knows. So uh, next we cut to Morgan who thinks he's talking to Natalia through the bathroom door, but then she doesn't answer. And I love Morgan's line read here. Because <laughs> he says, Natalia? Knock, 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 knock. Natalia? Knock, knock, knock. Natalia! <laughs> uh, just the way he said, like, Natalia, girl, you in danger. 
I just thought and, it was and pretty then one funny. of my two favorite parts of the episode is that Morgan <laughs> takes two steps back and goes to kick in the door because we know Morgan loves yes. to kick in the door and he hears a car engine rev and he stops like oh damn I can't knock it just kick in the yes. door anyway Morgan <laughs> you were our half kick you were at half kick do the full kick uh yeah so he runs outside and he sees the uh Chernus's car driving away and I'm just like, Morgan, you had one job. <laughs> now, here's where here's where I would have written the script just slightly differently. I would have had Natalia not have a car and have her take this, take Morgan's car because Reed had given him the keys. And he you know, <laughs> left them on the table because that would have made that other scene important. <laughs> that Reed, I'll hand Morgan the keys and you know, show Morgan putting the keys down. And then have her take his keys so that he's got no car. But that's not what happens. <laughs> She takes her own damn car. Yeah. That would have been, you know, a little bit more tight. I would have uh, accepted it then. Tight. Next, we cut back to little Kiev and uh, Lasowski is telling the bouncer to let Reed and Gideon in. He offers them some borscht, which Reed doesn't want, but Gideon is down for a bowl. Uh, I, I love how, I don't know if that was a, a written part or a, a an improv for Mandy, but I like that he wants Gideon wants the borscht. And uh, uh, this this is a fun scene. I also like the fact that that Lisowski turns and goes, "I still don't know who you yeah. are." <laughs> True, because he he did never answer him. Yeah, uh, Gideon tells him he has a problem, and Lisowski's like, "I do," and Gideon says, "That's why you went to the Chernuses this morning," and Lisowski's like, "I went there to help." And Gideon thinks there's no reason a man like him would help a family like the Chernuses. Lasowski is like, like me. And they point out his tattoos, which Reed breaks down what they mean for watchtowers and a convict signify a stay in prison. Each cross represents an individual sentence. 23 years in prison in the Ural Mountains doesn't breed a compassionate friend. Lasowski is like, you think you know Russian prison life? And Gideon says, I know human behavior. You have a problem, Arseny. Someone in your organization is out of control. If anyone in Odessa learns that you have a maverick, you lose everything. They might even kill you. At this point, Lasowski is getting mad. He says he's in control. He confirms that Reed knows his tattoos. And then he opens his shirt to show the tattoo on his chest. And apparently it's the tattoo, meaning that he's a thief in law, the boss. Yeah, there, there, I will say in this conversation, uh, Manny Patinkin flubs his line and nobody caught it. It made it to print in this episode. He, he's supposed to say, you haven't gotten where you've gotten by doing blah, 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 blah. And he actually says, you haven't where you've gotten, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I only picked up on it because I when I watched to take notes, I have the closed captioning on. The closed captioning said, you haven't where you've gotten. And I realized, yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> he totally flubbed the line and they didn't take to it. That's interesting. <laughs> Lazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, I didn't notice. So maybe, uh, well, they got to notice. It's their job to notice. <laughs> script super uh, unless the script supervisor was off doing her scene <laughs> shooting her scene <laughs> as a special uh finger <laughs> clerk earlier in the episode <laughs> yes so uh 
Arsene says, look, in my world, there is no such thing as a control problem. There is controlled and there is dead. All of a sudden, Natalia walks in to little Kiev. She says, Mr. Lasowski, you said you could help me. He says, doesn't she already have help? Like kind of mockingly. And she says she made a mistake. And she then tells Gideon, oh, I talked to my father on the phone. He's fine. All right. Bye. Mm-hmm. I release yes. you. <laughs> Go away, Gideon. <laughs> Actually, the, the 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 funniest kicker of that would have been was like FBI. You're the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> you never told me. <laughs> yeah. Or who are you again? <laughs> uh, we cut to the BAU office, and from outside of Hotch's office, we can see it looks like Mrs. Chernis is crying hysterically, and. Kate Jackson comes in and asks Emily if something has happened. And Emily lets her know about them moving up the timetable and sending the air. And Kate Jackson then asks if the kidnappers are still using the same bank. Because she's called her contact back and she was able to get her some bank information that would then uh, lead Garcia to get the information that she needs to get. Which, good job, Kate Jackson. She didn't give up. She... That's right. She did not give up. She did not let that door slam in her face and then turn around and just go to sleep. We cut to Morgan finally arriving at Little Kiev as Natalia is on her way out and he calls out after her. And I, I don't know how he knew to go to Little Kiev, but he was <laughs> he was on Again, it. it makes he, he doesn't have to be here. No. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're, they're going to go right from here and drive back to, to the journal's yeah. house. Why'd he go? <laughs> a phone call would have sufficed. Hey, is Natalia there? <laughs> Gideon. <it. laughs> None of this makes no sense. <laughs> She's ignoring Morgan and she gets into the car. And uh, so he, he goes over to Gideon and Reed and is like, how could you let her go with them? And uh, Reed is like, what choice do we have? He, he says, we have a victim here who claims that now that the crime never occurred. And Gideon corrects them, saying, no, we have the daughter of a victim who claims the crime never occurred. And Reed says, well, if she says she talked to him and he's okay, what proof do they even have that it happened? And Kramer uh, says, well, the body parts. So Gideon asks Morgan where the ear is. Morgan says, "Uh, Natalia's got it. (laughs) They call the office and ask JJ to look at the finger. Oh, is JJ in this episode? Here she is. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, JJ, JJ, JJ's in this episode. Like, hey, here's the translator. Okay. Hey, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't get to see our usual uh, JJ heroics uh, pretty much at all this episode. JJ goes to look at the box where they had the finger, and it's empty. And uh, Morgan lets Gideon know. The finger's gone too. I that was some sleight of hand, uh, so to speak, because <laughs> I didn't I I didn't notice the daughter uh, taking like making a big deal about the finger before she left, but maybe I just missed it. No, but they made a big deal about oh can't oh can't the cooler stay with my mother right. because it's got the wedding ring on it, and so they she was she was definitely hinting towards that. Uh, no, don't take the finger away. I leave it here with my yeah. mother. 
to be perfectly safe, who would take a finger from my mouth? Right. So, yeah, uh, it's slick, slick maneuverings. We, I guess at this point, you probably have to realize that Natalia is a lot slicker than mm-hmm. we thought. We cut to Morgan back at the Chernus home. And this time he does. Shouldn't have left in the first yes. place. <laughs> like, yeah. Why did he leave? Uh, and this time he does kick in the door. Because <laughs> I guess. He kicks in several doors for good weather. <laughs> external door, interior yeah. doors. He's just kicking in yep. every door. He's uh, going all over the house calling out for Natalia. Uh, but she's not there. He's in the kitchen searching around. And this kitchen is a mess, by the way. <laughs> I was like. Oh, yeah. Damn, I, uh, clean up your kitchen, uh, Natalia. But uh, he did know he does notice a overstuffed, I would say, trash bin in the kitchen, including a full jug of orange juice, which yeah. makes no sense to me. <laughs> Who's throwing away that orange juice? <laughs> I, I I thought maybe like, what well, did she just empty out the fridge to throw? Every, like, no, that doesn't make sense. There's a full jug <laughs> of orange juice in the garbage. <laughs> So Morgan is like, oh, she never took out the garbage. And he he's shaking his head at the trash can being gone. Gideon, Reed, and Kramer arrive at the house, out in front of the house again, our favorite location this episode. <laughs> and uh, Morgan comes out to let them know that Natalia isn't there. And also the garbage was never taken out. And Reed is like, What? And Morgan says when she first talked to Hotch, she said that she noticed her father's car in the driveway when she took the garbage out. Well, the garbage in the kitchen is full. She never took out the garbage. She lied. Morgan says she could be halfway to Dogo whatever. Which I like I like that line uh, of his. And Reed is like, Dogo Prutni? And Morgan's like, yeah, that's it. It's the town she's from in Russia. And Reed says, isn't that where Laskowski is from? And Kramer confirms that. At which point, we all have to be thinking the same thing. Like, wait a second. A pecan's not supposed to have a family. He's from Double Grossi. She's from Double Grossi. Hmm, family? (laughs) (laughs) So we cut back to Garcia, who has used the information that Ambassador Prentice uh, has gotten for her. And she's now able to, after jumping through many computer hoops, get the whole system layout for the bank in Russia. She can try to get that account information now. We cut to back outside the Chernus home. Rita's saying, so we have a daughter who lied about how she discovered the crime. None of the missing body parts to prove anything that happened. And a generic ransom note that doesn't say anybody's names. Kramer is like, so what are we saying? (laughs) (laughs) We screwed. (laughs) And Gideon says Natalia was a part of all of this. And Morgan is wondering how he couldn't see this coming. And Reed is like, how could any of us? We were so blinded by the fact that she trusted us. We never considered not trusting her. And I would say, well... Maybe Gideon had a little bit of a, a inkling. He did tell Morgan to profile her a little bit. Yeah, but he actually, when he was telling him to profile her, he, he didn't seem suspicious of her either. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, profile her and see if they have money. See, if, like, see, are they criminals? Like, not, not, are they involved in the kidnapping? That was above all of their heads. Right. We uh, cut back at this point to Garcia. She's cracked the code for the bank. She's able to get in. 
to the uh, system and Prentice gives her the account number. Garcia puts it in and we hear her say, whoa, as we see the number 500,000 flashing on her screen. So apparently they're operating in U.S. dollars because it would just be extraneous to have to do rubles here. Yeah, I'll I'll cut them some slack on this one for storytelling purposes. <laughs> yeah. It's also in English, and and she's gotten rid of the Cyrillic as well. So I'll I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, then cut back to the Turner's home. Morgan is asking why would she bring the BAU into this? It doesn't make any sense. His phone rings. He picks it up. Garcia gives him the information, and as they're talking, Mister Groban comes out of his house with a bag of trash in hand, but he looks and he sees that Gideon is still hanging out there with the crew and he just turns around and goes back into his house. Morgan lets them know that Garcia got the bank info. Somebody just wired 500,000 into the account 10 minutes ago. They don't know who wired it, but the name on the account is Leov Folinko. And Folinko was Lasowski's wife's maiden name. Gideon says, Ooh. yes. Gideon says, why did why did she need to bring us into it? He looks at Morgan and says, because she needed to put pressure on the other victim. And Kramer is like, the other what now? Uh, we cut to the meat locker of torture. And the nice thug is looking at his computer. He sees that 500000 has been delivered to his account. He talks to his partner and says, Leoff. The money's all here, 500000 Then he looks over at Jernus and says, See, old man, who's still, he's still tied up on the meat hook, by the way. So I feel bad for Chernus this, this episode. <laughs> yeah. He says, I told you that they'd pay the money. We're finished. And he turns around. But Mean Thug is there with a big knife and he stabs him in the gut with it and says, Yes, Fyodor. We are finished. <laughs> but I should point out, now we have identified Mean Thug as having the name Leolf. Leolf. Yes. And uh, that could be important since that was the name on the bank account. And uh, Leolf looks over at Chernus and he's got malice in his eyes. Dum, dum, dum. After a break, we cut to Gideon knocking on Mr. Gorbin's door. He opens it. Gideon says he's not going to ask him anything official. He just wants to know when he was kidnapped, who paid his ransom. Uh, his house, the way he's dressed, no tattoos. He's not a crim criminal. How could his family have paid a ransom? And he says it was Arseny Lasowski, wasn't it? Gorbin looks down, but he doesn't say no. So Gideon takes the <laughs> inference and he has his answer. How to answer a question from the FBI without answering the question from the FBI. <laughs> We uh, cut back to Little Kiev, and Gideon comes in saying to Lasowski that he paid all the ransoms. Lasowski says to Gideon to sit down, and they ask immediately if Chernus is going to be killed. And Lasowski says no, and Gideon asks why he's paying the ransoms, what's going on. He doesn't get it. And Reed says he thinks he knows. The account name from the bank account is Leov Falinko. Leov is a man's name, a son's name. Vori Vazakone. Never have a family of your own. No wife, no children. 
Uh, Lasowski says, Leob, Leob, you know what that name means? Lion. <laughs> Oi. Okay. Not you know. Again, the order of all this stuff is just so out of whack here. It's like the big reveal that Leoff is a boy's name. Yeah, we know because the guy in the last scene, he said, "Hey, Leoff." Yeah. <laughs> it's like just nothing is making sense sequentially here. Like the plot makes sense, the entire plan makes sense. I get okay. Get the FD involved because he's this, the bat, the boop, but all the pieces fall into place, but they are still not put together, and this doesn't match the picture on the box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We uh, next cut to the meat locker. Uh, Leov is about to kill Chernus, but Natalia comes in at this moment. Chernus is looking perplexed. He's like, Natalia? And Leov says to her, when we started this a year ago, we agreed no witnesses. And she, Natalia tries to say witnesses won't matter. But Leov says, no, my love, that's sloppy. If he tells my father who did this, everything we've done will fail. He'll hunt us down. So they were in on it, the two of them. And apparently, since they've been at it for a year, I guess all of the recent mutilation count. Um, not necessarily all of them. I would think that perhaps maybe just even uh, Mr. Gorbin and themselves, like Mr. Gorbin is a test run to see if it would work. And then themselves, uh, uh, you know, if. The whole point of this is that the Russian mob only targets criminals and they're going off the board and not targeting criminals. So I would think perhaps they're just copycats thinking that, well, look, every time this happens, right? Uh, you know, ar- arsenic uh, just goes to the uh, Obelok and <laughs> so suddenly this became a Harry Potter thing. Oh, arsenic goes to the Obelok and <laughs> the pecan. T- t- mm. It's actually not the... If you're going to have a criminal plan, it's not the worst criminal plan in the world if you can do it without getting caught. <laughs> and again, or, or get caught. Because again, uh, if if Lasowski is not allowed to reveal he has a son, then he can't even turn them in if he does catch them. So it does actually make a lot of sense. Except if Arsini finds out and knows where they are. Right. That's the one thing they can't let happen. So she goes to, Natalia goes to say goodbye to her father. She apologizes, but she just couldn't do it anymore. Living there, struggling with the shadow of her brothers hanging over her. You brought us here. That's so we could have things and we have nothing. I need more with my life. I'm going to go away. I'm going to live my life happy. I'm sorry. Okay. The motivations, I get them, but seems a little, seems a little. I'm a greedy, greedy person <laughs> who really does not even care about you. Although it does make a little bit of sense only because we did have Morgan profiling the house and they had no pictures of her outside of the one as a little girl. So I'm sure that these parents didn't give one thought to her growing up. Right. So in that sense, right. I'm a little bit more okay with it. Once, Yeah, once the boys died, they were just not themselves anymore. Our life is over. We have no children. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> we cut back to Lasowski. He says uh, that he knew when the first man was taken, he knew already who'd done it. Uh, no one else would be so bold and so stupid. And at first, it didn't mean much to him. He figured, let the kid earn his own money. He could afford it. He had the uh, fund. 
and no one questions the use of the fund. But then he couldn't admit that he was blessing the kidnappings. He couldn't admit that he had a son. He tells Gideon, who's been continually asking, well, where's Chernus during this whole time? He tells them that Chernus is going to be home in a few minutes and that uh, he should be there because he's going to need some medical attention. Gideon asks uh, Lasowski what he's going to do. And uh, Lasowski just says, We take care of our own troubles. By the way, I still don't know who you are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mr. FBI stranger man. Uh, Why are we even having this conversation? <laughs> who are you? By the way, you like the borscht? I'll give you the recipe. <laughs> yes. We see Lasowski's men arrive at the meat locker. They tell Leof to put the knife down. It's time to pay. Leof has a, oh, snap, look on his face. He knows uh, <laughs> pretty much what's going to happen. Then we see Chernus being escorted home by the thugs. And in the meat locker, we see three bodies. We see the body of the nice thug. We see Leov and we see Natalia's body lying there. Uh, and we do see some other crew members there that have to clean up the uh, the scene. We then cut to Lasowski looking all destroyed like Al Pacino at, at Al Pacino at the end of Godfather Two, after he's had to have Fredo and all the others uh, offed. Uh, he has that same sort of distraught look as he's sitting there, and uh, we see Hotch talking to Mrs. Chernus. Maybe she was crying, but she was happy. Uh, it's kind of weird. We see Lachowski's henchmen throwing the trash bags, uh, what I'm presuming the body parts, into the river. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're dextering them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Emily voices over a quote, happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Leo Tolstoy. AKA Russian proverb. Uh, yeah. yeah, I yeah, I think well, well Mrs. Chernos, I mean, yay, my husband's back. Oh, my daughter's, daughter's dead. Yeah. Evolved. I mean she doesn't know she's dead, but Right. Right, and right still, at that second. And my daughter did it. Ooh, you know. Mm, mixed mixed emotions. Mm-hmm. We get the last scene of the episode, which is Emily with her mother. She's telling her mom that the case is solved and Mr. Chernus is safe and that they couldn't have done it without her. Uh, Hotch wanted her to say thank you for him. And she says she just feels glad to be needed again. And Emily seems to be gobsmacked by this, this revelation of her mother's character. She can't believe that her mother is vulnerable and has feelings. And... <laughs> She's never seen her doubt herself before. And Kate Jackson says she doubts herself all the time. Uh, not showing that is what being a diplomat is all about. And Emily's like, oh, snap. Uh, <laughs> hey, you want to go to dinner, mom? And Kate Jackson is like, my treat? And Emily's like, yeah, of course, Miss Ambassador. And Kate Jackson says she would like that. And the episode is over. Yeah, I mean, we needed the scene because we introduced her. Uh, so it's still, the episode was over. <laughs> it seemed tack on a little bit. I, I like the episode overall. 
I, I just found probably needed one more uh, pass from the writing staff yeah. to just just move a few things around, trim it up here, cut it up there. But, uh, you know, uh, I'm not hating on it. It entertained me. I was going to say the same thing. I, I Even though we pointed out a lot of clunky parts and it did feel a little disjointed, overall, I enjoyed the episode. Nice to see Kate Jackson getting some work. <laughs> yeah, good, good for her. Although I did think it was kind of strange that uh, Emily is like, "Yeah, we solved the case," but doesn't mention, "Oh, by the way, the woman you brought into our office—that oh, was the, <laughs> the killer." <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I thought that yeah. was a little odd, but you know, I guess she just wanted to focus on the the happy news. <laughs> yeah, I. It's almost like it was a shoehorned. Also, kind of, uh, you know, mothers and daughters. Like, here's one case involving a mother and her daughter who come in, and this is, you know, the relationship of this mother and daughter. And look at how different they are, but the same they are, but the different they are. And like, man, man, man. I said, good idea, just not perfect in execution. So, even though the execution was not perfect, AJ, did our BAU team win this episode this week? Oh, well, I think it goes without saying they did not. <laughs> I mean, they didn't figure out what was going on for the longest time. It was merely fortuitous that they found out at all. It was basically just a random city name that allowed them to put two and two together. And at the end of the day, the Russian mob took care of everything for them. <laughs> and they still don't have any proof that an actual crime took place. So, uh, no, this is a loss. I'm sorry. Uh, luckily, the unsub was killed by other unsubs. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, yeah, no, they, no, no, they, they, no, no. Boo, L. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, so, the team did not win the episode this week. Better luck next week. We're getting toward the, <laughs> we're getting toward the ends here, I I don't know uh, where we're at. Are we making the playoffs or having a so-so season this year? Uh, well, I mean, we got to pick up the pace a little bit here. It's uh, with this loss, we are nine five and five, and there's only three uh, games left in the season. So, uh, they might get a wild card, but <laughs> uh, they win no division titles. They could be hanging no banners. <laughs> what we also like to do, AJ, each week, you host a wonderful podcast called Beat My Guest, and uh, it is a quiz and trivia-inspired type of show, uh, although it changes format frequently, and uh, it's still trivia-inspired. And uh, we like to have our own trivia at the end of each episode that's been inspired by the episode. Yeah, we like to have a, like a little three-question quiz, just, uh, you know questions that just come to me after watching these episodes uh you've been doing quite well of late uh you've been quite a run five of the last six questions you've gotten right let's see if we can keep that good hot streak going here uh no multiple choice for the first one here it is olga sosnovska who played natalia in this episode uh you may not know the name but she is married to somebody who was a regular on the NBC show Heroes. Who is Olga Sosnovska married to? 
It is a bit of a multiple choice if you think about it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, basically list the heroes cast. Uh, I'm just going to say uh, this is us. Uh, Milo Ventimiglia, or however his name is pronounced. Milo Ventimiglia <laughs> is how I will pronounce it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be a wonderful guess. I mean, he is, of course, Peter Petrelli from Heroes, so you certainly <laughs> got the right show there. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is not our correct answer here. We are talking Ghost Dad himself from Never Have I Ever, Mohinder... As played by Sandil Ramamurthy. Oh, that, that's an attractive couple. It's a very attractive that's, couple. That's an attractive couple. Uh, she actually appeared in uh, season three in one, like one episode of the show <laughs> of Heroes. Okay. So, you know, she, she, she was able to at least get a bit part, though I do not Good remember part. her at all. <laughs> uh, but by then, if they had gone to the carnival by then, I probably stopped watching. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a show that jumped the shark pretty pretty quickly uh, yeah indeed all right siler let's see if you can figure out question two here <laughs> another throwback to even more classic show that we've been talking about and dancing around all episode long i mean come on you have kate jackson in the episode how can i not ask something about charlie's angels and here it is kate jackson uh played sabrina on charlie's angels i'm going to give you four uh disguises that Sabrina used during the course of season two, because <laughs> season two Criminal Minds, season two Charlie's Angels. Which of these four is the one that I made up? Three of them are actual Charlie's Angels plots involving Sabrina from season two of that show. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> it's pretty damn funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I used to watch this show all the time, by the way, but I don't remember this show at all. But let's go. <laughs> Oh, well, you know what? You, you do know the basic premise of the show, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. Yeah. Is it A? Sabrina and the Angels go undercover as bodyguards for Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> Is it B? Sabrina and the Angels go undercover as ladies of wrestling. And Sabrina has to battle Andre the Giant in a charity match. <laughs> Is it C? <laughs> Sabrina goes undercover as a reporter from the Bronx as the Angels investigate UFO sightings. Or is it D? Sabrina, sorry. Or is it D? Sabrina pretends to be a mime and goes undercover <laughs> at a circus. The scary part is, I'm pretty sure I remember the mime one. So if I if that's wrong, I, I'll be shocked because I I can see Kate. I can see in my mind Kate Jackson as a mime. I feel like I've seen that. Are you sure you're not just remembering an old episode of Shields in your now? <laughs> <laughs> it could very much possibly be. Wow. Um, these are these are all great. And they all, from what I remember, sound likely. Uh, 
even the Andre the Giant one. That that all sounds like it's plausible to me for that show. I believe the Sammy Davis Jr. one too. That just seems seems pretty much wow. Um could you repeat C for me? That was uh, C is uh, Sabrina pretending to be a reporter from the Bronx as the angels are going undercover to investigate UFO sightings. While I completely see that as being something that they would do, I'm going to choose that one because I, I, I really want all the other choices to be <laughs> episodes that, in theory, I could go look at. Uh, well, you can absolutely go and look at uh, uh, Sabrina as a mime, certainly. You were correct in remembering that one as they go undercover at a circus. Uh, <laughs> people who have never seen the original Charlie's Angels have no idea what they, what we had to endure. <laughs> and there were only three channels. We had to watch it. <laughs> um and Sabrina and the Angels were indeed bodyguards for Sammy Davis Jr. That happened. Unfortunately, no wrestling of Andre the Giant. Uh, <laughs> he had appeared on The Six Million Dollar Man, <laughs> but he did not appear on Charlie's Angels. Okay. Uh, Woo! <laughs> I, the reason I went with those two is because Aaron Spelling, who produced Charlie's Angels, always, you know, he also did The Love Boat, and during that time, that was always, like, random other popular celebrities appearing in his shows. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the guest star list is is loaded. Loaded. Yeah. There are guest stars at the Wazoo and it's every week was the same thing. It was like, "All right, angels. <laughs> <laughs> you dress up a businesswoman, you dress up as a bikini model, and you dress up as a gardener." I'm like, what? <laughs> what the uh, what now? Yeah. yeah. All right, well, over to, but I mean, your best shot is always going to be Question three, which is, of course, is our preview of next week's episode of Felonious Pundits and the plot of what our next Criminal Minds episode is going to be. So, Kintad, what is the plot of Criminal Minds? Season two, episode 21, entitled Open Season. Open Season. Is it A? After an overeager reporter gives out the name of an accused rapist, an entire town in Wyoming goes vigilante. Is it B? Hotch receives a death threat from a now-paroled unsub that he had caught years ago, and he's legit spooked. <laughs> Is it C? The BAU heads to Idaho, where a series of murders may actually be the result of people hunting people. Or is it D, the small main port town of Lubeck is suddenly besieged by a series of water-based murders? Hmm. One of those is indeed the plot of next week's episode, Open Season. So, AJ, I don't know what uh, leads me to think this, but I feel like if we're going to get an opportunity to go to Idaho and see people hunting people, 
that Criminal Minds is going to give us that pleasure. And that is the plot of episode 21, Open Season. Okay, so you believe the plot of Open Season is people hunting people. Much like the plot of Dexter's New New Blood season is people hunting people. Spoiler and, alert, but... Yeah. And Ice-T, it's real early on, you know that's the plot of the episode. <laughs> and, okay. and Ice-T in Most Dangerous Game, the classic movie, is people hunting people. You think that this show... Yeah, of course, it's sure going to do the trope of people hunting people. You are correct, sir. <laughs> uh, nice. One out of three. I it, made it. It is the most dangerous game, and I'm talking about my trivia. <laughs> One out of three. Well done, sir. That's what we got next week as episode 21. My God, they had a lot of episodes and seasons back then. We're not even done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We picked a... We couldn't have picked something a little more recent, AJ. Uh, but actually, <laughs> we could have picked something enjoy. that didn't go for fifteen years. <laughs> uh, coming next week, Grey's Anatomy. Shonda <laughs> 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 uh, uh, on you. <laughs> oh, folks, that was a lot of fun. But that is the show for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you had a great time, as per usual. Uh, please be sure to subscribe to rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to spread the word and let your friends know about us. You can also, if you so choose, write to us at feloniouspundits at gmail.com. Uh, still at two, AJ, if we're doing the mail count. Excellent. Two emails. <laughs> uh, be number three. Be the and number we'll- three you want to see in the world. <laughs> And uh, we'll definitely give you a shout out. I'm not promising that to anybody else, but number three, you're going to get a shout out. (laughs) Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore pundits. For AJ Mass, this is Kintad's Fensguard saying goodbye and keep profiling. Wheels up. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh. I am for real. Never meant to make your daughter cry. Outcast. <laughs>